Hi, nice to meet you. How do you interpret your 27 points? Well, I, I, uh, I interpret it as a, a statement of rebuke against uh, Charlie Baker and a statement of support for authentic conservative values in the Republican Party. You know, I think we, we made history today. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Scrum. I'm Antonio Caban, co-hosting for the first time. We're coming to you outside of the DCU Center in Worcester where Scott Lively, who you just heard at the top there, surprised the room, taking 27% of delegate support to earn a spot on the primary ballot, challenging Governor Charlie Baker. That was just one of the headlines that came out of today's event. I'm joined now by my co-host, Peter Kadzitz, reporter Adam Riley, and reporter Mike Dean to break it all down for us. Peter, right off the bat, what was your big takeaway from today's convention? Pro-Trumper Scott Lively is the news. Jeff Deal took the convention. And uh, by the way, Charlie Baker still looks pretty good for re-election. Those are my three big points. Why do you say he still looks good for re-election? Uh, because even though I expect that the, the media will make a big deal, as they should, as we should, about uh, right-winger Scott Lively's uh, surprisingly strong showing, 15 points higher than was predicted, um, that's going to benefit Baker. Baker has more money in the bank. Baker has the momentum at the point. And today is just an unexpected flap. Now, Adam, do you agree with that? I would respectfully disagree with Peter. I think it's a real embarrassment for Charlie Baker to have a candidate who he was hoping wasn't going to get on the ballot. And as I understand it, was working to keep off the ballot, get 27% of the vote, especially after that candidate gave a speech in which he absolutely ripped into Charlie Baker as a faux conservative who doesn't really you know, mean what he says, who's just faking it so he can hold elected office, who's a pro-abort, as Scott Lively put it, who is insufficiently supportive of President Trump and is guilty of stolen valor for claiming credit for economic gains made under Trump's watch. I, I think it's a, a pain in the ass for Baker. I think it's the last thing he wanted to have to deal with over the summer. And uh, yeah, I think he's probably pretty irritated right now. I think much of what Adam says is correct, especially about the governor being irritated. But $11 million in the bank takes away a lot of sting. I, I am not trying to usurp uh, you, Antonio, as a host, but I see someone we should speak with here. If she's willing, I don't know if she's willing, Amy Carnavale. And remind me, Amy, what was your role in the Trump campaign here in Massachusetts? You were a delegate? Uh, I was a delegate for Donald Trump um, at the National Convention. I served on the platform committee at the convention. All right, so Amy, what is your take on the proceedings here today? And I want to invite all my male colleagues, Peter, Michael, Jonas from Commonwealth, Mike Dean, maybe even Ed Lyons, Antonio, you're here, thank goodness. You should all hear what a pro-Trump Republican is making of what happened at the convention. Amy, what do you say? Uh, I thought it was a great convention today. You know, I remember, um, you know, Charlie Baker's running for governor of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. That's very different than running for president of the United States. I think, you know, they're serving different constituencies. Um, and I think uh, Governor Baker has done a great job at serving the citizens of the Commonwealth. And that's why he resoundingly uh, received uh, the endorsement of the Republicans uh, here in Worcester today. Some of the delegates, though, that I spoke to were upset by the fact that Governor Charlie Baker did not meet Mike Pence a couple of weeks ago when he came into town for a fundraiser. Is that something that you shared as well? Scott Lively was upset, too, by the way. And Scott Lively was also upset, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I take Governor Baker at his word that he had a prior commitment. Um, you know, certainly I think it's important for this administration uh, to... Uh, 
to work with Washington. Uh, there's a lot of federal priorities, a lot of federal funding and, and policies that uh, affect the Commonwealth. So I think it's important to have that working relationship. Um, but I'll take him at his word that he had a prior commitment. Amy, are you happy with the outcome in the Senate race? Are you a deal supporter? Um, you know, I, I think the outcome in the Senate race reflects uh, the fact that conventions tend to be more conservative than primaries. Uh, so it was a, a conservative uh, group uh, that assembled today in Worcester. So I think that's a it's a reflection of the, the group that was here today. Doesn't sound like you're celebrating popping the champagne or anything. Do you have another preferred candidate? Or? Well, I think Jeff Dale would be a strong candidate. Um, I also think uh, Beth Lindstrom is a, a strong candidate as well. So I'm going to get Mike Jonas in here. What was your takeaway from the results of the Senate? part of the convention. Commonwealth magazines, Michael Jones. I mean, I think it kind of lines up in some ways with what we were seeing in the governor's race, that there is, you know, the, the, the conservative wing of this party is really the one that's in charge at conventions. And, and that's who the base is. And that's certainly who Jeff Deal was appealing to. And, uh, you know, he kind of won this thing going away. I mean, it did have to go to another ballot. But I think people knew going in that he was going to be strong and, and, and he's come out of it, you know, in pretty good shape. Deal, who was a Trump supporter, though, didn't mention Donald Trump at all in his speech. Do you think that helped? Or do you think that most delegates here know already that he was a Trump supporter? Do you think going into a primary, invoking Trump and using his name really helps put him on the general ballot? Yeah, I think that's probably kind of a smart move on his part. I mean, you know, that they are already, I mean, you heard a lot of talk in here about the idea that they really are hoping to, to, to put, pose a real challenge to Elizabeth Warren. So that's probably smart on his part. I want to bring in uh, WGBH State House reporter Mike Dean now. Mike Dean, coming out of the State House out here in Worcester, uh, were you surprised at anything that played out today? Yeah, definitely surprised by the 27% that Scott Lively uh, secured here today. I think, Adam, you were saying earlier that you know um, Baker has been trying to take more and more control over the party to prevent just this kind of thing from happening. Having a primary race from someone far, far, far to his right that's going to call him a rhino, call him not a conservative, and really drag down his reelection uh, campaign efforts at a time when Baker really just wants to pivot towards the middle, towards those uh, independent voters, those undecideds. The, the, the UMass Lowell poll from a couple weeks ago said that Baker has almost 80% report amongst Democrats in that congressional uh, you know, district up there. These are the folks that Baker is courting in order to get the kind of landslide victory that we're expecting him to have over whoever the Democratic uh, nominee is going to be down the road. Scott Lively is going to be a distraction and a thorn in his side for the next couple weeks that Baker would just as soon not have. Amy Carnevale, would you uh, agree with that? Uh, you know, I would say, you know, look back again, remember the, the type of Republicans that come to conventions. They are the more conservative, more activist Republicans. So I think that the vote today is a reflection of that fact. Republicans across the Commonwealth, I think, are um, a little more moderate and I think more reflective of where Charlie Baker stands on the issues. I want to turn now to another delegate, this one from Swampscott. His name is Ed Lyons. Were you personally disappointed by the results today? Yeah, I mean, it was good to support Chai Baker, but it's hard to see Lively do well. To my gay and trans Republican friends, I'm truly sorry this happened. Uh, Lively is a nightmare of a man. Uh, fortunately, he won't affect the way Governor Baker is running for office and managing our state. We will overcome this. But it's sad to see the platform and then Lively undermine the idea that the Republican Party is really with Chai Baker. A lot of times it really isn't with Chai Baker. Now, you, uh, you wrote an interesting piece where you were talking about Charlie Baker redefining, if he was going to redefine the party. Did he do that today in his speech? 
he called out much more partisan differences before. He's not used to saying, you know, we stand for this, the Democrats stand for that. I was impressed the fact that he made some of these philosophical differences that he never makes in public statements, as you know. So that was good to see that he says, we're on a different team than them. And he did it just enough to be credible without sort of trashing like the Democrats who work for him or the Democrats who vote for him. You can't really be anti-Democrat when you need Stephanie Pollock and Jay Ash running around the state fixing everything. So I thought he was pretty good. He, nice balance. WGBH's Peter Kazis, what did you think of Charlie Baker's speech? I thought Baker's speech was a real reminder that there is a difference between Democrats and Republicans, especially Democrats in the legislature. You know, a lot of us who cover the State House closely tend to conflate the fact that Charlie Baker has a working relationship with the Democratic majority, and we forget the fact that Charlie Baker is more conservative than most of them. Um, I thought it was a very shrewd and smart speech because for his faithful, um, he ticked off a bunch of the items reminding them how he's different from the legislative Democrats. The one thing that did surprise me, however, is it appears that he's opposed to using mass health to pay for medical marijuana. I'm not sure whether that's new or whether I missed something, but that's my take on the governor. Peter Ketz, I just want to butt in to Antonio's hosting duties for a second and ask you, did you think that Charlie Baker's heart was really in the distinctions he was drawing between uh, him and other Republicans and Democrats? Maybe it's just because Scott Lively came right after him, but I felt like he was trying to get excited and trying to get the crowd excited, and it didn't quite connect, but maybe I'm wrong. No, I think it's a matter of perception. I think Charlie Baker's a cool customer. He's a cool, cool, a, a long, tall drink of water, as my late mother might have said. I don't think he gets worked up about a lot. I believed everything he was saying because I know those are his positions. Like I said, I was surprised about the medical marijuana. But no, I found it convincing. I can understand why some might not, but I find it convincing. Jeff Deal, I'm sorry to interrupt. Senate, uh, state rep and Senate endorsee. It's State Rep Jeff Deal walking over here now, uh, just earned the party's endorsement. Mr. Deal, give us your reaction to the end result. Well, you can congratulate them. Oh, yeah. well, congratulations. Congratulations, Mr. Deal. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is just really step one. Like I said, I think during the, my acceptance speech, uh, it's like Mookie Betts hitting a uh, home run in the first. That's great. We got a lot more uh, runs to plate before this is over, and then we'll close it out in the ninth. But look, uh, a lot of hard work by a lot of people um, that have been here all day. Uh, whether my volunteers or whether just delegates that were committed to becoming part of the process, uh, getting elected in their towns, and then coming to the convention center, you know, paying out of their own pocket to come here and support a candidate they believe in. I, I'm really glad and honored to be the person that uh, looks like they want to go forward with. Let me ask you one of those pain-in-the-neck questions. Were you disappointed it went to a second ballot? No, not at all. I mean, look, I'm running against... Uh, two pretty strong competitors. I know there was five people in the field, but two other people, one of them whom has been working within the Republican Party for decades, and the other one self-financed with millions of dollars. Uh, the fact of the matter is the hard work uh, overcame sort of more establishment folks and uh, overcame, you know, a lot of big money. And I think that's why our message is really going to resonate around the state as we continue to, to do this campaign. Jeff, I was surprised to not hear you mention President Trump in your speech before the vote. And I don't think you mentioned him after either, given you know that you are a, a fan of the president's, that you were a big part of his campaign here in Massachusetts. Am I making too much of that? Should I not have been as surprised as I was? I don't think any candidate should run on the coattails of anyone else. So for me, uh, you know, talking about my, uh, the work I've been doing you know, on Beacon Hill or the successes we've had with the grassroots team, I think that was the most important thing for me to convey. And I'll be very fortunate if I'm able to 
be elected U.S. Senator, work with the White House, uh, you know, under President Trump, and a Republican currently controlled House and Senate if it stays that way. Um, but again, my message is more about putting Massachusetts first versus a senator that seems to pretty much have Massachusetts in the rearview mirror. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. And good luck on the rest of the trail. Appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, I just want to turn it back now to Swampscott Delegate Ed Lyons and also turn it back to the governor's race. Do you think that Scott Lively is going to hurt down ballot candidates? Yes, I think that uh, Scott Lively uh, getting uh, <clears throat> more airtime and things like the platform are going to convince the public the fact that Ty Baker really isn't with his party and that we're going to see people probably not benefit from his coattails because the, people are going to say, well, I like Chai Baker, but I don't know about the other Republicans. They're not really like him. So I do think that it may affect the coattail effect for Baker in, in November, November. Thank you, Ed Lyons. Appreciate your insight on that. Um, should we let it go home? We, we should let him go home. It's a, I think everybody's voice is almost gone, including myself. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for another installment of the Scrum, unless Peter Kazes wants to have one final thought. I always have to have the last word. What I was really struck by, and I haven't been to a Republican state convention in quite a while, but I came expecting to see what I see at national Republican conventions, which is... Whale pants? Whale pants. The, the country club. The country club factor. This was very blue collar, very small business oriented. And I think the public's perception of who Republican Party activists is very different from who they really were. That's my final thought. One thing I do want to ask is uh, Darius Mitchell, who was a uh, Senate candidate who unfortunately, after the first ballot, he was dropped off, didn't get enough support from delegates. I was talking about how he's looking out at a crowd that's much more diverse, a, a diverse Republican Party. Would you agree that this crowd here today of delegates was a diverse Republican Party? Uh, literally, no. There were more women than I expected to see. There were a good number of Latinos, not many black faces in the crowd. But Peter, as you just pointed out, diversity comes in all shapes and sizes, and there was socioeconomic diversity. That's a very good point. And on that note, all right, thank you for joining us. Uh, Peter Kazes, Adam Riley, Mike Dean, Commonwealth Magazine's Michael Jonas, Swampskit Delegate, Ed Lyons. And who did we lose? Amy Carnavali and Jeff Deal. Yeah. Uh, thank you to them as well for taking their time. It's been a long day. And thank you for listening to another episode of The Scrum. We're coming to you outside the DCU Center out here in lovely Worcester, Massachusetts. You can find back episodes of The Scrum at blogs.wgbh.org. I'm Antonio Caban. The Scrum is a production of WGBH News.